0: Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. If you're using one of our hardback Bibles from the table out front, you should find it on page 981. Philippians chapter 2. This morning we're going to look just at two verses. Verses 12 and 13. Uh, It is our practice to stand when we read God's Word together. So if you're able, let me ask that you stand together now. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you would, by your Spirit, teach us, instruct us, mold us, conform us more and more into the image of Christ. That you would do exactly what even these verses say you will do. Through Christ we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, We are uh, basically in the 500th. Anniversary. We're coming up on the, the 500th anniversary of the start of the Protestant Reformation, October 31st, 1517. Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the castle church door in Wittenberg. That doesn't really matter so much. Luther, as he, as he wrestled with Scripture, as he wrestled with what the Bible had to say, as he wrestled with the teaching of the church, as he wrestled with all of these sorts of things... He struggled. He had a a hard time with the book of James. He, He wrestled with, this seems to be contradictory to what Paul says. James seems to be saying that you're saved by your works. Paul says you're saved by grace through faith. James seems to be saying, we pointed this out when we preached through James whenever that was, uh, not that long ago, um, James seems to be saying that you that you have to work. You have to work for your salvation. The thing I can't figure out is, I wonder if Luther ever read this passage. I kind of wonder whether Luther paid attention even as he read Paul. There's a part of me that that wants to go, uh, Martin. Is, is, are these verses not a problem for I mean, James is a struggle, but these two verses aren't at all a struggle for you. Because you read verse 12, and there's this work and working for salvation and working out salvation, and that sure sounds a lot like Paul's kind of lost his mind for a second. Like he's lost his place. Like he's kind of given up Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, but he's instead urging us to earn our salvation. Seems like Paul's contradicting, contradicting himself. So I guess it would be fair to at least ask the question Is he? It seems reasonable that when you come to a passage like this, a verse like this, where Paul writes work, we at least ought to ask the question, is he contradicting things he said in other places? Well, first of all, notice this. Prepositions matter. It says work out, not work for. There's a difference in working out your salvation and working for your salvation. That, those are two very different phrases. And all you did was change what you and I would call a throwaway word. It's just a little, this is a preposition, right? That is, am I using the right word? It's a preposition. I mean, it hardly means anything. What could it possibly mean? And, and, and we just kind of go, well, I mean, you know, out, for, just throw a preposition. It doesn't really matter. You change the meaning of the verse drastically. He doesn't say work for your salvation. Paul nowhere says you need to go out and you need to obey God perfectly. And you need to keep the law. And you need to do everything that the Bible says to do. And only then will God accept you. Paul never says that. Paul never says, you know, what you really need to do is make sure that all your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds so that when you die, God places all those deeds on his cosmic scale, and you hope that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds and he'll let you in. Paul never says that. Paul never says that that, you know, it's sort of like running away from a bear. You don't really have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun the people with you. You don't really have to be perfect, you just have to be better than most. Right? If you're in the 80th percentile, then God will let you in because that's pretty good. You're better than 80% of the people out there. Well, if you if you have enough good works piled up, more than 80% of the people out there, well, then God's gonna grade on the curve and he'll that's good enough, that's close enough, that's better than most, and so you'll meet the, the qualifications. Paul never says these things. He never commands us to obey in order to gain. God's favor. He says here, not work for your salvation, but work out your salvation. You, you already have it, now work it out. You already have salvation, now, now work in light of it. There's another catch, there's another problem that you and I have. Part of our struggle in this is also found in the fact that you and I almost always use the word salvation in a past tense. I got saved at the Billy Graham crusade. I am saved, I've I've been saved. I got saved when I was a teenager. I went to that conference and I got saved. We always use salvation in the past tense. Have you noticed that? Scripture doesn't. Scripture uses it past, present, and future. We are saved, we are being saved, we will be saved. All of that is true in the Bible. We, We use the word salvation, and this is why we use those big fancy $5 words a few minutes ago. When we use the word salvation, we almost always mean our justification. What is it that allows God to accept me? It's not my works, it's Christ's. It's not me, it's His Son, Jesus. It's His sinless life, it's His death on the cross, it's His blood shed on the cross, it's His death, burial, and resurrection, it is not me. Paul's talking here not about our justification. Not about how we got saved back when. He's talking about the fact that salvation means we should be changed. We should be different. This isn't a passage about how God accepts us. It's a passage about how God changes us. We almost always mean past tense, justification, when we use the word salvation. The Bible speaks in terms of having been saved, we are now being saved. Having been accepted by God, we're now being changed by the gospel. This passage has nothing to do with our entrance into the Christian life. It has everything to do with our living The Christian life. There are those who will say to you that as a Christian, all you really need to do, your your greatest need, if not your only need, is simply remember your justification. Simply remember that you've been saved in Christ and by Christ. You need simply to be gripped by grace. They shy away from imperatives in Scripture. There's no way to hide from a clear command in verse 12. There's no way to, to figure out a way around this command, work out your salvation. It's, a, it's an imperative. It's a command. Like, like the way I talk to my dog. Sit. Stay. Come. Heal. One word. Short, simple. Because he's not, you know, he's, he's pretty smart. But he's not smart enough to get more than one word at a time, right? You give one clear, straight command. This is one clear command given to us. Work out. In fact, the Greek word is energeo. Which, that's our word Energy. You can't hide from this command as much as we would like to. So has Paul contradicted himself? Has salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, Paul changed his story all of a sudden? Not at all. In fact, I want to show you just a couple of other places where Paul writes very similar things. Turn with me. To Romans chapter 8. And we could turn to any number of other passages. Romans 8, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Or turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Here's a passage that that most of you know and know well. And probably love dearly. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Hey, that sure sounds like saved by grace alone through faith alone, Paul language, right? That's exactly what it is. But then there's verse twelve. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We've been saved to do good works. Verse 10 says, we could look at Ephesians 4 or Colossians 2 where we're told to put off and to put on. To put off the old man, to put off the flesh, and to put on the Spirit. Paul over and over and over again speaks this way. He speaks of, yes, your acceptance by God is all the work of Christ. There are no commands given to us to accomplish or earn or gain God's favor. And yet, once saved, Paul gives us commands, instructions, good works to carry out. In fact, you notice already in this passage, we saw in verse 1 of chapter 1, Paul's writing to believers, he's writing to the church in. Philippi, Even right here, he's my beloved. He's speaking using language in chapter 2 as he speaks to brothers. He's speaking to believers. Even Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount. If your right eye causes you to sin, <clears throat> just kind of keep it closed a little bit. If your right hand causes you to sin, lop it off. Gouge out your eye. That's the kind of language even Jesus uses. Commands, instructions that we as believers would strive with all our strength and might and love and desire to serve and obey God. Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, He commands us to love and honor and obey God, to work out our salvation, to, in light of our salvation, now go and work with all that we have and can to grow in our love for Christ, to be renewed in the whole man after His image. Maybe you've heard, surely you've heard, Probably you've said the mantra that so many believers would gladly accept. Just let go and let God. Paul here in verse 12 says, don't let go. Hold on tighter. Work harder. Strive harder. Give more effort and energy. Don't let go and let God. Here he says, work I hate to do this. In fact, funny that it actually came up in a conversation out there this morning before worship. I really hate to do this to almost all of you. Not quite all of you, but almost all of you. A couple of years ago, Auburn beat Alabama with the now famous... Kick six. Now, for those of you who don't f- watch football, I know, I'm sorry. It's okay. We're done. Th- that's all that matters. At this point, you, 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 nobody else is going to get offended. I promise. If you, if you don't know enough about football or you weren't paying attention, Alabama tried this really long field goal. It was short. That's a live ball. Auburn had a guy back there. He caught it and ran down the sidelines, scored a touchdown to win the game. Okay, there. we're done with the offending part. You're, I think he was a defensive back they had back there. If you're that defensive back. You're that guy that caught that kick. What goes through your brain? I mean like 108 yards or something. What goes through your brain as you're running down that sideline? I'm pretty sure it's not. Well, if God wants me to get there, he will, he'll get me there, and I don't really have to try hard. I'm pretty sure he's not thinking, well, I just need to let go and let God. (laughs) Because most of you in this room are pretty sure God wouldn't have been on his team. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) You know what he's thinking? Faster, doggone it. Come on, legs, go. Harder. He sees his goal. He sees where he wants to be. He sees where he needs to be. And inside of him is yelling at his body, harder, faster, get there. You've got to get there. That's basically what Paul's saying to us. That that, that what the gospel does is not just mean that God accepts us in Christ, but The gospel changes us. And the goal is not get out of hell free card. The goal is holiness. We should, if that's the goal, our inside should be yelling at us harder, faster, get there. Put off sin, put on righteousness, hate your sin, forsake your sin. Oh, that more of us took Jesus a little too seriously in Matthew 5 and actually walked around with one arm and one eye. None of us seems to have that trouble. Paul says, work. Having been saved by grace through faith, now work out that salvation. Strive for holiness. Strive for righteousness. But notice, he doesn't say let go and let God, but he also doesn't quote Elaine Bennis in Seinfeld right here either. Elaine, one of her sort of standard famous little lines, Jerry, George, Kramer, they're they're talking about I've got this to do, I've got that to do, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish, you know, whatever. And her way of saying, I support you, but I'm not going to help. Good luck with all of that. And she usually would walk away. Paul doesn't say, let go and let God. But he also doesn't say, good luck with all of that. As though God's going to, got you saved and got you to this point where now you're accepted by Him and then He stops and says, now you're on your own, do the best you can. Because notice verse 13, right on the heels of work, on verse 13 you get, the reason you work and the reason you want to work is because God is already at work in you. The Spirit is at work in us. At the the will level, verse 13. It is God who works in you both to will and to work. He's the Spirit's at work in me to make me want to, and He's at work in me to be able to. The Spirit's at work. God is at work. In us. When when you're faced with that dilemma, when you're faced in that moment of temptation, when you think to yourself, I could click here and nobody would know. I could I could I could take this twenty dollar bill that's just sitting here on my coworker's desk and nobody's looking. I could, I could steal time from work. I could, I could look at her the wrong way. I could say this, and and nobody would ever know. In that moment, when you think to yourself, "I could," and then you hesitate. That's grace. And then you, you. But I don't, I don't want to claim. I could click right here. I I don't want to click. That's grace. And you throw your mouse against the wall. That's grace. Paul says, your will, your work, your labors, your outworking of your salvation is all a work of God's grace. Notice how Paul begins, verse 12. Children, if your mom or dad tells you to clean your room and sits there on your bed while you do that, I'm guessing you clean your room a little bit better than if she's not sitting there on your bed watching. When, when mom's watching me clean my room, she said, now clean your room. And I, I start cleaning my room and she sits there watching. I do a better job. Because, because she's right there in the room. Paul writes to these saints and he says, you have been doing this. You've been obeying. You've been working out your, out your salvation. But right now, I'm hundreds of miles away in prison. In Rome, do it as though I were there. you know the number of times I have friends in this town who don 't go to church anywhere. I'm pretty good people, but not believers they're not Christians, and their language goes. South every once in a while. The number of times I hear, well, I won't say what I'm really thinking because the preacher's here. Is our level of obedience different when someone's watching? Do we think to ourselves, well, I mean, no one's no one's gonna know, so I can sort of I can slack off a little bit? Paul urges, I know it's easy when I'm there. I know it's easier when I'm there. Do it much more so in my absence because I'm here in prison and I can't be there. Notice Paul uses words that you and I think don't belong in the Christian life. Wait, 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 wait jesus saved me his yoke is easy his burden is light he saved me to give me joy and peace and and quite honestly even when i evangelize people when i tell unbelievers about jesus i kind of tend to make it sound like life is great as a christian that nothing really goes wrong And, and what you really need is to come to jesus and then you'll never have poverty issues or job issues you'll never lose your job your car won't break down your kids will be perfect That's the story, that's the the picture we paint for people, right? Then why is Paul saying fear and trembling? That doesn't sound like joy and peace to me. At the heart of the matter, in that moment when you could click, and you don't want to, and so you don't, It's because the Spirit's at work in you. That is awe, humility, reverence. It drives you not to pat yourself on the back and say, look how great I am. It says, look how great God is, that He would keep me from that, by His grace and by His Spirit. That's fear and trembling. It's humble reverence and awe. I'm reminded of a story. I've told you all this before. I've used it before. One of these days I should stop. But I'm reminded as I was in seminary in Charlotte working in the seminary bookstore. Leo was the bookstore manager. In comes this guy and... He came in about once a month and bought a stack of books. I mean a stack of deep, thick, Puritan writer books. And he would always buy the stack and he'd come back a month later and buy another stack. And, and I have to be honest with you, if you looked at him, you would think, I know you're not reading these. This was the conversation between Leo and this guy. Leo said, he actually elbows. watch this. Have you found anything yet? And the guy said, Nope. It's all grace. My salvation, my justification and my sanctification. Yes, I work. I give every effort, 100% effort into my own sanctification. And then when it's all said and done... I'm not patting myself on the back because it's not me. It's God at work in us. Both to will and to work. I hope some of you, I'm I'm pretty sure some of you, quite honestly, I hope all of you, are wrestling right now with one more question does that work how does this i work i'm supposed to give a hundred percent effort the bible commands me to work out my salvation as though it's all up to me and then it tells me that god is at work in me as though it's all up to him how does that work well here's how i have no idea I, I don't know. I'd love to. I, I'd love to be able to say, I've got this licked. I, I totally understand God's sovereignty at work in my salvation, and yet at the same time, I'm the one that didn't, I didn't click. I could have clicked, but I didn't click. But I didn't click because of His grace. Well, wait, Maybe maybe that means I can just sit on my couch, and if He doesn't, mobilize me to do anything, that I'm off the hook and it's all on Him. No, nope, that's not what this passage says either. How's it work? I have no idea. I don't know. I just know that it does. I just know that that's what Scripture tells us. And so we pray for the grace to work with every fiber of our being to work out our salvation. And we pray for the grace to give him the honor and the glory and the praise for it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are thankful for Your grace towards undeserving, fallen, broken, rebellious sinners. And we pray that You would, by Your grace, Holy Spirit, that You would, through this means of grace, Your Word, conform us more and more into the image of Christ. That we would find great joy in honoring and pleasing You. That we would put off the old man and put on Christ. That we would, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh. That we would work out our salvation. And Father, we pray for the grace at the end of it all praise and honor and glorify You for every bit of it. Through Christ we ask it. Amen.